you know, our parents who would have mostly said, oh, it's not a real career mm-hmm. are now like, oh, you can make money from games. Yeah, it's like <laughs> <laughs> now it's more attractive. Welcome to Talking Simulator, a series of short conversations about video games with interesting people who play them. I'm Jordan Erica Weber, and in this episode, I discuss African game development with my guest, Sita Ngube. Hi, my name is Sita. I run Prozerium.net, which is an initiative to document a thousand African women and their contributions to games. Other than that, I do a few other things in the African game development space or global game development space. Sita is from Zambia and currently living in South Africa as she finishes her BSc in computer science. When not studying, she focuses much of her time on supporting black game developers, African game developers, and specifically African women making games through a range of initiatives. Among other work in this area, she is a regional organizer for the Global Game Jam, supporting participants in sub-Saharan Africa. Humble Bundle recently brought her on as a strategic advisor for their new $1 million a year black game developer fund. But I first came across Sita's work when I learned about Prisarium, an initiative she founded that aims to document 1,000 African women and their contributions to games. So the thing that you're most known for probably is Prosarium.net. So can you explain exactly what that is? It's basically a website where I'm documenting the experiences of women, African women and the contributions to games. But it actually started out as something else before. So I might have been more well known before it. I have since like 2013 been trying to get more Africans or starting with it, um, I was trying to get more Zambians involved in game development because I'm originally from Zambia, though I study in South Africa. But in 2013, I was trying to get more Zambians involved in game development. And with that, I was hosting workshops and those workshops were mostly being attended by guys. Like everyone except two people were guys. And I thought that was weird because I'm a girl and I was like, why aren't more girls doing this? So I started looking for ways to get more women involved. So I started hosting women-only workshops since 2015 to get more women in Zambia to take part in the Global Game Jam. And it actually made me realize that there needs to be a space. There needs to be space for women-only or African women-only spaces, let me say that. Because the first time I hosted the workshop, someone asked me how I deal with the way guys react to me. And then I actually never thought about that before. Then I realized that, oh, you know what, actually it kind of sucks the way guys behave when you talk about being interested in games. And it can be really discouraging. And I realized from them that, yeah, we need a space where it's just us who can explore this because... um, The women who are around, actually, there were women who I would see almost every day. But then I didn't even know that they played games and stuff because they didn't like talking about it. And then in the workshop, they were talking more freely. They were more freely expressing themselves and exploring. So I thought, you know, having spaces like that would be able to encourage more African women to take part in games. So I started hosting workshops like that for... Every year, one workshop, 2015, 2016, 2017, 18, and 19, I believe. 
And then I thought, hmm, I mean, I'm hosting these workshops where people aren't actually seeing the women. Like there's still the general perception that African women aren't interested or can't participate in game development. So I thought I should take a different approach, Mm. which would be actually documenting the people, documenting African women who have contributed to games. And it's like on all levels, whether they actually work as developers whether maybe they contributed writing, voice acting, whether they are hobbyists, whether they just took part in a workshop once and made a little game. So just kind of documenting them all in one place so that, you know, people can see the variety of uh, women on the continent who, yeah, who participate in game development. Where did the name come from? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that is, that's interesting. No one's ever asked that. <laughs> <laughs> If I thought about it more, I might remember exactly. Maybe the the real story is more interesting, but basically I was looking for something that related to flowers and stories. And then I was like, a garden of roses is called a rosarium. And then I was like, oh, you can put prose in front of it to to make it like relating to stories. And then I also found out that a prosarium is also a book of poems or stories or whatever. So I was like, oh, and it was great for SEO. (laughs) So (laughs) I was like, yeah, let's take it. Could you maybe run us through some of the games and creators that you've already featured? So some of the most interesting ones, I guess, are South African. There are a variety of South African women involved in games. There are students. There is a student I interviewed, Alexis Danke. She's a game development student at Vega. And she runs a blog where she talks about her experiences as a game development student. The first person I interviewed was actually someone from our workshop. I thought that was a great way to start. Her name is Tendai, and she's a veterinary student. So I still do workshops every year, but now I just document stuff as well. So it was a Renpai workshop. So we were making visual novels and it was just a day long workshop. So really short. And she made a really short game about her dog and her dog actually passed away. So she was reimagining a situation with her dog and it was, it was really cute. It was really cute. And she made it in a few hours. So I thought that was a great way to start because I wanted to make sure people know that anyone with any background and any experience level can be featured on the site. But it was exciting to interview her because like, she's the type of person who I see a lot at my workshops and I want more of at my workshops. Yeah, then after that was Alexis from South Africa, who I mentioned already. And then we had Ade Foyeke. She's from Nigeria and she took part in Global Game Jam as a culture journalist. And she contributed the story for the game her team made, which I think a lot of African women can contribute to just because of the connection between a lot of African women who enjoy reading and writing the literature and them not realizing you can actually put that in game development. You can contribute that to games because when you actually have dedicated writers, you can tell the difference. You can see how much work people put into that. And after that, Veronique from Madagascar, she was an illustrator and concept artist, and she worked on the art for their game, their little cute game about someone who's sick and Hafa is like 
little thingy that goes to heal or well, not heal people it's like working in the bloodstreams fighting inspections maybe it's a white blood cell <laughs> hmm, i don't remember <laughs> or yeah a white blood cell i think or something fighting infections then we had um crescentia from zimbabwe she also worked on a global game jam game she actually contributed to two games and she helped with the design of the bad guys in the game the ansa from madagascar as well oh she's a computer science masters student she worked on their game which is a 3d game about repairing stuff it's interesting gameplay you know i played a lot of little games but sometimes i see things and i'm like oh, i never would have thought of that even if it's like the most little like type of mechanical story, I'm just like, oh, okay, well, never really would have thought of that to go with this theme for Global Game Jam. Then next we have Maria from Zambia, another Zambian. She's a software developer and she took part in Global Game Jam as well. She contributed her programming skills to a web-based game about making the world a better place. And um, next we have Dimpo from South Africa. A lot of people might have heard of her. She's been doing a lot of talks this year because she's a business developer. She's a well-known business developer in South Africa, currently working for Nyamakop. She talks a lot about culture and games, um, African culture particularly. She used to work for Free Lives, which is also a well-known game development company in South Africa. One of their games was Genital Jousting, and it sounds exactly what like what it's supposed to be. Uh, so she does business development and production work. And but on genital jousting, I think um, she contributed testing to that as well. And I also think she's a very interesting highlight because she started out in an admin position in game development or games industry, and like her career is going pretty well as a business developer. Like. Again, I guess when people are starting out or in smaller studios, when people are just thinking about making the games, they don't think much about business development and production, but that expertise makes a huge difference. If you're working on a game as commercially, definitely, like you need that expertise. And a lot of people who are, I guess, hobbyist developers or people who are just interested in the development or design of their game, they either don't have those skills or aren't very interested in using those skills. So having someone who is passionate about what you're working on and also has the expertise of a business developer and a production manager is so needed. It's also a role which I would like to see more women take on. How come? Because it's very influential and I think it subverts a bit of the expectations people have of participation in the industry, it subverts people's expectation of what's important in participation in the industry because but people still have the idea that women aren't so interested in programming or game development or whatever. You know, people usually think like what will change about women's participation in game development is having more women programmers, having more women designers and developers. 
But I think also just having women fill these roles, like business development and production, I think that's also very important because people don't realize how important those roles are until they're in a position where they need to talk to a publisher, they need to get money for their game. Mm -hmm. So I think being like, yeah, you know, maybe some women actually aren't interested in programming, but they're interested in this and they do a heck of a good job at it. And then people realizing that there are different ways to balance out gender in the industry. I actually think most of the women I've interacted with in the games industry have business development or production knowledge. And it has been very helpful like for me to hear about and me seeing them work. I've seen like, okay, they actually make really important decisions. And this is the kind of stuff that when you're bringing stuff to a publisher when you actually need to make money from games, this is the kind of stuff that matters a lot. So as far as when you're deciding who to interview for Prosarium, do you have kind of strict rules about who you include? So when you say African women, do you mean women in Africa or or women who are born in Africa, even if they maybe live elsewhere? Also, it's women who have any connection with their heritage to Africa. So either women living in Africa or women who can connect their heritage to Africa. So yeah, I mean, every profile I have up has a little flag. So I mean, as long as you can give me a flag, (laughs) that's fine. Because I have interviewed people within Africa, people studying outside yeah the next person was actually a south african studying in canada there is someone who i interviewed recently i'm not sure what her heritage is because i didn't really need to ask but i know she's part tanzanian Mm. uh nima yershio she made a choose your own fake news game Mm. and it was featured on cnn i think but i know it was featured somewhere so she is based between germany and uganda but her heritage is listed as Tanzanian. Mm. So I don't need to know the specifics about your heritage. Like, you don't need to really prove anything. But just if you can give me a flag, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> just give me a flag. Yeah, a flag from Africa. Are there any flags that you desperately want to get? Like, you've got Zambia, you've got Tanzania, Nigeria, South Africa. Is there any country that you specifically want to find someone from? Yes, actually. So there are some countries where, like, I have literally never, maybe never heard of any game developers from the country, like Chad. Mm. and Mali. Oh, though I think recently I've heard about some Malian game developers, but I would like those countries where, you know, people might not know anyone at all from there because I personally believe that every country has game developers and by extension, probably every country has women who have contributed to a game or who can contribute to a game. Yeah, so I would like those countries, but also like in, in terms of interviews that I'm actually looking for, Senegal. Mm. I know recently people from Senegal have gotten more into game development. Where else? Uh, South Sudan. Yeah, countries more north of here because I think I connect well with people from Southern Africa. Um, So I'd really like to connect with more people in North and West Africa. Morocco would be great too. (laughs) (laughs) So you have got a wish list. That's cool. (laughs) 
You've talked to quite a few African women who've contributed to games in some way. Have you got a sense of whether there's anything unique that African women can offer to games in your experience? So you talked about the popularity of, of reading and writing and literacy and things like that among African women. Are there maybe particular themes that they tend to bring to games that you wouldn't see elsewhere? Or is it just a case of adding variety to the global game scene? So what I find gets added differently, and this is actually something which I've seen like from experience uh, from hosting workshops, it's actually why I really like hosting workshops, is because a lot of women have a fresh take on games. Like when I actually host workshops and little game jams for women, you don't get repeated mechanics. I can actually say this from experience. Like when I host workshops with a lot of guys or with guys, we hear a lot of I would like to make a game that's like Mario, but so-and-so. Their goals are like, first of all, games which have already been done, and maybe their scope might be like ridiculously large. But when I ask women to make games in Game Jams, they come up with like really interesting solutions to things. I think I had a Game Jam, and the theme was shoes. Like I was thinking of what theme I can use, and I was like, the theme was shoes. And someone made this whole dramatic scenario about prom, and I guess shoes for prom. I think there were magic shoes for prom or something like that. And you know, those are like really fun, interesting stories that I know I wouldn't have gotten if I had a game jam with mostly guys. So it is a fresh take on stuff. And yeah, the experiences people have had in terms of what they've experienced themselves and what they read and write, I think that does show in fun ways. So the goal of Presarium is to record 1,000 African women who've made contributions to games, which obviously is a, a huge number. And I wondered if you think that you will achieve that goal or whether it's not really about achieving it and it's more about the journey. So it's a bit of both. I do think I can achieve it because like when I was thinking about it, I was thinking about like through the years, can I name a hundred African women who have contributed to games and it was like an easy yes and I was trying to go up from there I was like a hundred yeah I'm pretty sure I can find um, a hundred African women who I've directly interacted with then I was like 200 yeah probably and then I was like okay let's what about 300 100 and then I was like okay how about let's try a thousand and um, give it five years and that'll include women like you know within the African continent within the diaspora women who just attend our workshops and I was like I think we can do that and I know it'll be a bit of a challenge and I think it can be achieved I think it can be achieved maybe not within the specific time frame but I know it can be achieved I know I can find a thousand African women who have contributed to games in some way So you talked about how you're originally from Zambia, and I know that a few years ago you wrote an article about some games that were made in Zambia. What is the game development scene like in Zambia now? So right now, I guess it's still hobbyist developers who take part. Like from the beginning, the whole reason I was actually inspired to begin working with game development communities in Zambia is because... I met one person <laughs> who was a hobbyist developer and made a really cool game. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. I wonder if more people are doing this. And also I was like, how can we get more people to do this? So that's how my involvement in game development community started. 
And over the years, it's always been like, well, we find like one person here and there, but lately there have been a lot more people getting involved. So recently there was a Pan-African game hackathon, and one of the prominent winners, because a bunch of different categories was a Zambian, um, who is actually in our like Facebook group, and he documents his game development journeys on YouTube. Uh, his name is Waza. W-A-Z-A. Let's see. Waza Banda. He's 17. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And he is winning yeah, competitions and stuff. And that's something which has been on the rise in Zambia is a lot more people like using YouTube to document whatever they're doing. And the thing about the Zambian game development scene, which is still true, is that people are very young there. And that is... um. It's cool because it's like you can imagine like the future possibilities. But then unfortunately, it also means that, you know, people don't have, I guess, the financial means and the power to like, you know, be where they want to be. And it's going to take a while before you actually start seeing people reaching like, you know, really interesting milestones in their careers. But I think, you know, seeing people who are really passionate and all that stuff and their skill is something which is interesting. Oh, there was also someone else named Harry Banda. He made a mobile game called Spin Blaster. And the design is, is really cool and really fun. And he also went on to win a Facebook hackathon. He took one of the top prizes, I think, in the world for making an AR game teaching coding using Facebook's Spark AR core, I think. That's what it's called. Oh, and actually, I actually used his game. Um, I wrote about his game in one of my assignments because I was doing a VR course and I needed to write a paper about educational uses of augmented reality. So I actually cited his project in my thing. At the moment, it is still mostly hobbyist developers, but I think people are showing a great amount of skill. The next step is seeing like people actually, I guess, either, well, I'm not certain about starting their own studios within our country because the economic climate might not be so great for that, but people working on games, like Zambians working on games with other people like from other countries. So that's the next thing I want to see more of. So how does the game development scene in Zambia compare to the scene in South Africa then where you're currently living? Oh, it's very different. Um, yeah, no, it's really different. And it's hard to compare it because the South African game development scene, I mean, they've been publishing games since like 1993 with Toxic Bunny. That was a really old PC game. But, you know, they've had a lot more resources. And in South Africa, you can actually study game development. So there's been a, a different perception about game development for a long time. You know, people are aware that they can have careers in that and, they, you know, they can dedicate more time to that. It's still a hobby for most people in Zambia, but it's not a hobby. Like, even if people want to take it to a more of a professional level, they don't really have the means to do that within Zambia. Mm. So that's a huge difference. But then also in South Africa as well, there is a huge divide on the race and gender of developers because the developers that I think I've already mentioned like who have world famous games you know they're all or mostly white men so in terms of having a local game development scene as in in terms of having games made created and ideated and pushed out into the world like from your own country 
most of that is done by white developers in South Africa. But I think, you know, throughout the years, um, and it's something which I've seen in Zambia as well, like people do want more Africans and more black people to take part in game development. And people realize like, you know, it's something which they have a responsibility to, to do, or it's something which is within their control. So more people are studying game development, more people are considering it a career path. You know, our parents who would have mostly said, oh, it's not a real career, mm-hmm. are now like, oh, you can make money from games. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> now it's more attractive. Um, so people are getting more support, like, from their surroundings, from their families, from their communities. So I'm hoping that'll change. It's really hard to compare South Africa and Zambia because there are different timelines and different problems as well. Mm. Because, I mean, even though South Africa is so, like, you can say the South African games industry is so far in, like, terms of industry representation and even global representation, Mm. you still need to see a lot more games from non-white South Africans um, making it out into the world. And games which, I guess, also speak more to people within the country. Because I think a lot of South African games as well, they're very popular people outside of South Africa. Mm. But maybe people within South Africa might not know so much about them. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you've mentioned a couple of things and we've been talking about the game development scene on the African continent. So you mentioned uh, kind of economic climate and you mentioned there a lot of white developers in South Africa. So obviously there's a racial component as well. I'm interested in more of your thoughts about why historically Africa has been underrepresented in the global game industry. Like how did we get here? I mean, there are a lot of reasons. Um, If I were to say it off the top of my head or something which is like I can say glaringly obvious is I guess you know the accessibility of tools and resources there are a lot of things you need to make a game like it's not like writing um you know writing you can write with anything um and that's why you know African stories have been out all over the world from way back when the Chinua Achebes you know like we've had prominent African authors able to share their works with the rest of the world even within film People have been making their own films, and that already requires a few more resources. But at the end of the day, if you're able to record something, you can have something. With game development, you need a lot of stuff. You need computers. You need well, good computers. You need internet. You need electricity. You need access to the tools and resources, the game development engines, the knowledge. I mean, how to use those game development engines, you probably learn how to use them online and stuff like that. Mm. Also, I guess time and I guess a community that is conducive to that there are just a lot of little parts that are disconnected Mm. and a lot of little parts that need to come into place for people to be able to make games and I mean over the last few years those parts not like specifically for the purpose of getting more Africans into games but like just globally like some things have become easier to access like internet like people are getting much better internet access um, on the continent and people have made game development kits more easy to use, more accessible, because they want more people to use their game development kits, of course. And publishing platforms, that's a big one, because even if you're able to make a game here, it's very hard to access publishers for it, and even self-publishing. I think I, there was one person who managed to publish their game on Steam, but like before that, I remember a friend of mine 
who actually wanted to publish their game on Steam. It needed to be greenlit and all that stuff. And then other people actually, they can't connect their bank accounts. Mm. I know in Zambia, you can't get money through PayPal. So even getting the money, if you want to sell your game, or even if you just want to get support for your game and stuff like that, it's quite a challenge. Like You have to have so many workarounds with that. The bigger one, honestly, is game development doesn't fit accessibly into most people's lifestyles. Mm. You know, even if someone wants to pursue game development, like once they graduate school or once they graduate high school, yeah, um, there's nowhere to study that. If you wanted to study that, you'd have to leave the country. Or if you decide to stay, uh, maybe you study computer science or something related to that, then you'd be pursuing it in your own free time. And you don't have the support of people in the industry or people to guide you through how you can get your way there. So you have to like go up a ridiculously winding path to be able to get into a career or even close to a career in game development. You have to go through a really, really winding path. Whereas, you know, if you're somewhere else in the world, you might know a company in your country. Like maybe if you're from Finland, you have Rovio. Mm. If you're from South Africa, you have, there are a whole bunch of different companies that actually do hire game developers. If you're in the US, like we have way more um, in other countries, even countries where they outsource stuff, you actually have a place to look for a career, you to look for an entryway. But like in a country like Zambia, like you literally have to make your own path if you want to have some sort of career um, in the industry. How has the pandemic affected the game development scene in South Africa and, and Zambia and across the African continent? The interesting thing is most people are doing more things online. So I'm actually getting to see more people. That's something which is interesting, like, um, you know, online hackathons and all that stuff. It's making people more visible, interestingly enough. It's making people more visible, but it's also making it harder for people to collaborate. So there have been goods and bads. Yeah, because there are usually some events, some in-person events. Like at the end of the year, we have those Africa Games Week in Cape Town mm. with Playtopia as um, an event. So, And that's like a really, really cool place to yeah, meet people from all over the world, from the game development industry, the games industry. Yeah, so we can't have those type of events where, you know, you bring someone from overseas. But I think people have been creative and are now communicating more. They're taking advantage of more online platforms. Because, mm. I mean, although Playtopia isn't happening, I've already attended two events where it's kind of like uh, where there is an opportunity to meet and greet people from different studios. So studios and companies worldwide. And I think that's pretty cool. There are a lot of talking opportunities as well. So it's making people more visible, I think. Yeah, so that's one positive thing is people are becoming more visible because they have no choice. They have to be more visible now. <laughs> <laughs> Which helps your goal of making African women more visible. <laughs> yeah, actually it does. It does yeah. So you are involved with the Global Game Jam and you're working with Humble Bundle on their Black Game Developer Fund, which is $1 million a year, which is amazing. You've been involved in so many initiatives aimed at supporting African game developers and specifically African women making games. And I know a lot of people from underrepresented backgrounds who are involved in initiatives of various kinds. So, you know, conferences and networking and mentorship and things like that. And I sometimes worry about the toll that it takes on them. So I wonder, do you see yourself continuing to do this kind of advocacy work long term or do you hope that you'll be able to stop at some point? 
I hope that at some point I won't have to. That's what I hope. At some point I won't have to, but I actually enjoy it. And honestly, I was thinking about it this year and like of all the things, like of all the projects I've been taking along, anything involving trying to connect more Africans and Black people to opportunities in game development, I am extremely enthusiastic about at the moment. So it's something which I would actually want to do full-time for a few years. If I can do that kind of work on a full-time basis for a few years, I'll actually be very happy. So that's how I feel right now. Mm. But I do definitely hope that as the years go by, there's less of a need for me to do that, like uh, for two reasons. Hopefully, like, you know, People are able to create their own structures and opportunities to support themselves, but also hoping that there are more people advocating. So there, yeah, so I hope that I can eventually stop for those reasons. But if not, I'm happy to keep going until, <laughs> yeah, something like that happens. When you think about the future for African game development, what do you want to see? So... What I want to see, um, it's a goal which is always at the back of my head. I want Africans themselves to be able to culturally, socially, and financially benefit from the games industry. And why those three things is because culturally there is a lot of stuff. There are a lot of stories to tell. And not only just because they're interesting, uh, but also as a way to preserve our own history and dignity in a way Um being able to control positive representations of ourselves. Socially, yeah, a lot of people are, again, people are getting more interested in African culture right now, you know, ever since things like Black Panther. So, you know, people are finding African stuff cool. So, you know, I want people to be able to see, like, you know, anyone who's involved in African game development, I want people to be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, they're cool because they're doing this. Or I want to work with you because, like, you have an interesting perspective of Kenya. It doesn't even have to be, like, about ancient or fantasy cultures it can even be about like futuristic cultures or even just modern kenya or any other country in africa and um financially i mean yeah if, if people are making money off of games telling african stories i want them to be african so that's <laughs> yeah that's it if you want to learn more about african women who are making games check out prosarium.net and follow at prosarium on twitter you can follow Sita at underscore Lady Sith, S-I-T-H. She should just about be done with her final year project by the time Global Game Jam comes around. If you're interested in taking part, head to globalgamejam.org. Registration is open until January the 11th, 2021. And the jam itself takes place January 27th to 31st, 2021. If you're a black game developer or working with a game development company that is at least 50% black owned, you can apply for Humble's Black Game Developer Fund, for which Sita is a strategic advisor, at humblegames.com forward slash black game dev fund. I hope you're enjoying this series of Talking Simulator. We're about halfway through and we have some great episodes on the way. So make sure you're subscribed and follow us on Twitter at TalkingSimPod. You can find me at Jerrica Weber. Our music is by Jazz Mickle. You can find her at Jazz Mickle. Talking Simulator is edited by Lemmington's loveliest audio person, Dan Parks. If you need to make something sound good, you can find him at Dan C. Parks. I'm Jordan Erica Weber. Talk again soon.
Yeah, I'm just like bundled up because it's cold here. So. <laughs> oh no, how cold is it? Oh, it's on- well, I mean, it's not cold for you probably, but it's like 16 <laughs> degrees or less or 14 degrees. And for me, that's like, uh, we're like three layers at least <laughs> for me. <laughs> Yeah, for me right now in the middle of like winter, that sounds toasty. 